Um, but we have the special privilege of having a guest speaker with us um, tonight who's going to come and talk to us. So, um, And Nicole actually knows him really well, so she's going to come up and introduce him. Hi, ladies. How's it going? Good. Um, this is James Shade. He's a public information officer with Omaha Police Department, and he's also my second cousin. So I would like you guys to give him a warm welcome and be respectful. All right. All right. I'm not used to applause. I'm a little bit, little bit loud. I'm not used to applause, uh, but that was very nice. Thank you very much. I am uh, Officer James Shade. I work for the Omaha Police Department. Uh, my current assignment is in the chief's office. I work in the public information office, so I do the interviews on TV. Uh, if there's a homicide or a cutting or any, any felony that uh, is uh, a major, major scene, I will be there to deal with the media and do the interviews for the media. Then I also do press releases, uh, presentations, other things like that. Uh, so you may have seen me on TV. People kind of know me. None of you watch the news. I know. I don't watch it either. Anyways, uh, I am a husband. I've been married for 12 years. Uh, I love my wife very, very much. Uh, I'm a devoted husband. It's uh, uh, not always easy in the beginning, but uh, uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't change where we are at right now in our love for where we were in the beginning, not for anything. Just the time that you, you grow together and really get intimate and know each other and, and stuff, it changes. In the beginning, I remember, you know, tried to not let her know that I ever went to the bathroom or anything like that, you know, and now it's, yeah, it's old hat. We have five kids, uh, three girls and two boys, and I love my girls and I love my boys, but yeah, there's something about uh, having your daddy's little girl that's there all the time, so I'm very uh, happy to be able to speak to you girls uh, the message that I have is something that's very close to my heart and something that I'm very passionate about. Um, uh, it's not always easy to present things uh, in an appropriate manner either. I'm a police officer, a uh, police officer first and foremost, so uh, we see things that are just uh, really crazy. Um, the worst of the worst of Omaha. That's what I deal with on a, on a regular basis trying to put up with. Uh, some things really get you down. Sometimes uh, I've had, had counseling from things that I've seen and gone through. Uh, sometimes things really tear you up. Uh, this uh, story that I've been called in to, to tell you about uh, uh, really, really affected me a lot. I did have to have counseling after this um, because it was such a big deal. Uh, I'm not here to scare anybody. I'm not trying to instill fear. Uh, tomorrow, I'm assisting uh, Project Nightlife. Anybody hear that? Where we do the, uh, yeah, drive drive uh, sober and, and arrive alive on your prom night. So that way we try to show you all the, the horrific wrecks and everything that happens. So you realize, hey, drinking and driving, especially as a minor, is not a good idea. So that's the, uh, the fear thing that we do, and that's tomorrow. So now I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm just trying to make you aware of, of uh, a certain situation, a certain girl that I met. Um, she's a good girl. She uh, got very good grades, uh, went to church, uh, listened to her parents, cared about people, did volunteer work. By anybody's circumstances, she's a good girl, okay? We'll just start out uh, basically with that. My interaction with her was on a, uh, probably one of the worst nights of her life, which is usually when police are involved anyways. Uh, she had a lot of different choices that were presented to her, and uh, her, her decisions, whether they were good or bad, we will, we will discuss and we'll go over a little bit. I'm in a time crunch. Usually my presentation is like an hour, hour and a half, and I've told I'm like 10, 15 minutes, so okay. I'm really trying to, to focus this and, and get this down. But uh, as police officers, we take each situation, and you can't change the past. 
What, what happened has happened, and there's nothing that you can do to change that ever. How you react to that and how you live your life after that, if you choose to live as a victim and just be depressed and, and lonely and, and, you know, this happened to me in my life and your whole rest of your life is ruined because of that, you're choosing to let that instance, that one instance in your life, victimize you for the rest of your life. Or, uh, hopefully from my talk here, you'll, you'll get a little bit angry, but not just angry. I want you to be empowered. I want you to think, think about situations that you put yourself in and think about different options that you have. What, what would I do? That's the whole point of this is just to think, what would I do? Talk with your small groups and your girlfriends. Talk with your parents about it. Um, what would I do in these situations and, and how would I react and what would I do? What this girl did in this situation, um, she came out alive. Um, she fought very, very well. I'm very proud of her. In fact, I wanted to hug her and tell her how proud I was. It wasn't appropriate to, but uh, I'm very proud of how this girl came out of this situation. Uh, she got a call from her friends late at night that she, uh, they had a party going on, and they wanted her to go to the party. So first thing she does is uh, tells her parents she's going to go to bed, goes into her room, shuts out the lights, waits about an hour, and she sneaks out at night. So we'll pause there. Is that a good decision or a bad decision? Oh, Yeah. Even as an adult, somebody needs to know where you're at at all times, just for your general safety. Somebody should know, hey, I'm running up to the store, I'm coming back. Even I know as a, a teenager, you're getting to be a, an adult, and you're going to be out on your own, not have to listen to people. You're always going to have a boss tell you what to do. If you're uh, involved with a spouse, you're going to have a spouse who needs to know where you're at. You're going to have responsibilities to kids. You're always going to have a responsibility to someone. Someone needs to know where you're at at all times. So just in general, her sneaking out at night already, she's not putting herself in a safe situation. She meets her friends in the corner. Uh, it's wintertime. It has just snowed outside. Of course, she's wearing, and I live in Nebraska, and, and try to really teach this to my kids. She's just wearing a light jacket and high heels and stuff. She looks good because she's going to a party. You should always have gear with you. Anytime you're out in the weather, especially in Nebraska, for Pete's sake. I don't know how, many, how long you've been here, but uh, snow is cold, so... Wear, wear appropriate clothing. High heels are not fun in the snow, and neither is a light jacket and stuff like that, okay? Um, so she meets her friends to go to this party. It's an MIP party. At the party, she decides that uh, she's really not going to drink. She doesn't want to get involved with things like that. She's a good girl. She starts bending to peer pressure, and she has two drinks, just two. So no big deal. She's uh, probably at a .04 which for her, she probably felt drunk because she's young and is not used to it, hasn't had alcohol before, but still 0.04. Legal limit is 0.08 in the state of Nebraska for driving. For a minor, 0.02. So anyways, it doesn't matter. She's already over the legal limit, but she knows that. She shouldn't have alcohol. She went out. She had two drinks. She decides in her mind that, hey, I'm going to leave this party. I don't want to be here. I need to get home by midnight before my mom finds out that I snuck out. Um, I only had two drinks. I want to make sure that I'm safe and I'm doing the right thing. So far, is she making good decisions or bad decisions? It's kind of back and forth. Everybody can kind of see where there's peer pressure that, you know, you went out to a party with your friends. So far, so good. You didn't get caught. Uh, nobody put anything you drank. Nothing really bad happened at the party. Um, things so far are, are not too bad. But uh, still not, not great decisions. She's going to leave the party. Her friends decide that they're going to stay there and get trashed, and they don't want to take her. So she's got to make a phone call to somebody. Who, who should she call to come pick her up? 
You call your parents, your parents are going to be mad. They're going to know that you snuck out. They're going to know that you consumed alcohol. They're going to know about the MIP party. What if your parents called the police and busted the MIP party, and every single one of your friends knew that you were the one that ratted everybody out. That's a word that we use all the time, ratting people out. You're a snitch, and that's not what that means, but that's a whole other presentation. Anyways, so now, seriously, would you do that? Call your parents to come pick you up? Any of you who seriously have that relationship with your parents, I envy you, and I hope that you really would, at that moment, take that time and say, hey, I messed up, but I'm trying to make the right decisions. Take your punishment, take your licks, okay? Um, but anyways, if you don't have somebody like that, who else do you have that could pick you up? Friend, you know, anybody ever called a cab, anything like that? Well, this girl was involved with a bad boy at school, kind of excited her. He was uh, uh, skipping school and doing things. She thought probably he was smoking some marijuana or whatever, but big deal, you know. He's still a cute guy, and, 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 and things are good. What she didn't know was that he was a gangbanger. And we have serious gangs here in Omaha. A lot of people don't know about it. Um, a lot of girls get involved with them and then later realize, oh my gosh, yeah, they're doing drive-bys and using my car and, and doing all kinds of things. They don't, you don't really realize the criminal element that we have here. So she's dating him. Uh, things are on again, off again. While she was uh, at a party with him, she met one of his friends who was a reformed gang member. People do change. You see it all the time, especially in church. People really do change. Um, being a police officer and a Christian, um, I... I really have a God-given gift and ability to speak to people and kind of reach people. Most of the time, even when I'm arresting somebody, if you had contact with me, I was probably taking you to jail because I felt that that was my job. Grace is on the judge's side. That's not on my side. I don't know if anybody in here has ever called the police, but the time you call the police, the situation's usually pretty bad. So my job is to make that situation better for whoever's involved. So I took a lot of people to jail. But I was able to talk and kind of minister to people, you know, being a uh, public servant, you're not allowed to say the J word to people because then, you know, you're preaching to everybody and that's not what my job is. But I was able to really kind of minister to people and where they're at and talk to them and get them to realize, hey, uh, the situation can change. One of my favorite sayings that I would always tell people is God's mercies are new every morning. And that's something without the J word that I could say. So then everybody would realize, hey, no matter what happened tonight, guess what? You're going to jail, you're going to get charged, whatever else is going to get cleared out, you're going to be good to go. A lot of people thanked me when I took them to jail. That's the kind of relationship I would develop with people and how I would handle people. Everybody who has contact with police is usually having a really hard time. Very rarely do you see somebody who is just straight out evil, who uh, just nothing, nothing really seems to touch them, no prayers, no anything. Well, these guys were straight out evil. They're probably one of the hardest, hardest guys that I've ever met. And I can't believe that she fell for these guys saying that they're good guys and they care about her. But that doesn't mean that she's stupid. It just means that she was trusting, maybe naive. I don't know. They didn't show her that side of them. This guy that's a, a reformed gang member, um, part of it was he was involved in a uh, drunk driving accident. What he didn't tell her was that uh, he was involved in a drive-by shooting, was trying to get away while he was drunk, flipped the car and broke his spine. So he's a paraplegic. He's in a wheelchair. So how much damage can a guy in a wheelchair do to you? Seriously. I mean, who can't run away from somebody in a wheelchair? You know? You could wail on the guy, whatever. So you feel fairly safe around some guy in a wheelchair. She decides that she's going to call this guy to come pick her up. She's texted back and forth with him. He's safe. He's a friend of her kind of boyfriend at the time. So uh, see if he can come pick her up. He answers the phone, says, yeah, I'll be right there and pick you up. 
Once he arrives, he's in the passenger seat because he doesn't have one of those uh, handicap-assisted vehicles, and a guy she's never met is driving. When she goes up to the car, she sees that they both have polished off a bottle of a pint. I don't know if you know how big a pint is. Um, of Jack Daniels and are already almost all the way through a six-pack of beer when they pick her up. Get in the car with them or don't get in the car with them? Do you have another ride? Is there any other option? You already called this guy. Now this guy's going to be irritated. He's supposed to be a safe guy. You only have a couple miles to get home. You don't want to walk in the snow. So should you get in the car or not get in the car? She gets in the car. They start driving down the street, and uh, suddenly she sees a different side of these guys. They're not the same anymore. They're not talking to her nice anymore. They're grabbing at her physically, at her anatomy, uh, calling her mean names. Uh, Eventually, they yank her uh, cell phone from her and her purse from her and start taking her money and everything from her. She gets very upset, and she demands that they stop the vehicle because she's going to get out, and she's not going to put up with it anymore. So they pull over the vehicle, and she gets out of the car. Good decision, bad decision. She now has no money. She now has no cell phone. Nobody knows where she's at. Her friends don't know where she's at. Her parents think she's still sleeping. What's she wearing? High heels and a light jacket. Very nice outfit. Very nice outfit. Great for the party out in the snow in in Nebraska in the wintertime. So she gets out of the car. Fifty feet behind her is a gas station. It's a 24-hour gas station. There's an attendant there. There's some people that are there that are buying cigarettes and hanging out, having a good old time. Uh, that's basically behind her, but in her mind, her house is ahead. So she's going to go home. So wh- what do you do? You turn around, go to the gas station, or you head on home? What are you going to do with the gas station? Warm up a little bit still. Who are you going to call? What are you going to do? Do you have any plan, any, any kind of thought process? You don't have a cell phone. They took your money. These guys are not being nice to you. Was, was there a crime that was committed even? Yeah. Yeah, lots of them. But, uh, and I'd write all the charges on there. <clears throat> well, we charged them with a lot. Anyways, uh, she decides to walk home. So she starts walking home. These guys stay there for a little bit and kind of get themselves egged on and worked up. And they pull up to her and say, I've got a gun get in the car or I'll kill you right now. Do you get in the car or do you not get in the car? (laughs) The gas station's a full block away from her now. She's in the middle, kind of, well, not really in the middle of nowhere, but there's nothing around her. There's a cemetery to the right, but that's all fenced off. There's a commercial area to the left, that's all fenced off. There's not really anywhere to, to run from there. Um, just up, maybe back up and down the street. So do you get in the car? Do you not get in the car with somebody who pulls up, does not show you a gun, but you know that they've been acting crazy, uh, that he probably is, he's a reformed gangbanger, says he's got a gun, do you get in the car with him? Okay. Whatever happens to you, I hope that you you survive, you do what you need to do to be able to survive like this girl did, and you do, do what you need to do to be able to survive. As a police officer, we cannot advise you to get in the car. We cannot advise you to not get in the car, okay? Because every single situation with everybody is completely different. That's we make laws that everybody's able to follow, but a lot of times certain situations you're in, it's, it's you, it's others, other circumstances, so everything is different, okay? So we can't tell you whether to get in the car or not get in the car. But I will tell you that uh, 
for a police officer who shoots at a 94% accuracy, when you're under duress, that goes down to 18 to 20%. Now you add in that this guy has no training with a firearm at all, he's intoxicated, uh, who knows if the gun works, you haven't even seen the gun yet, you know that there's a gas station fairly close, you have a voice so you can scream, okay? Anytime you can make a commotion, try to get people around. Anytime that somebody's shooting at you, zigzag because uh, your accuracy goes down to 9% when you're trying to hit a target that's moving. So my personal recommendation would be don't get in the dadgum car. Run and scream at the top of your lungs, okay? <laughs> now people have said scream fire, don't scream rape because no one will respond. This is Omaha, Nebraska. People will respond, okay? So scream whatever you want to scream, you know? He's got a gun and he's shooting at me, you know? Or he says he has a gun and he's shooting at me, you know? Whatever you need to do, but get away, okay? Once somebody has you, and listen to this, once somebody has you in their vehicle, they can do whatever they want to do with you. They can take you wherever they want to take you, and what are you going to do about it now? I've seen people jump from vehicles. It's not like TV where you always hit the grass or you're always able to turn. Your head hits the concrete every single time, and even at 35 miles an hour, it splits your head open. So be careful when you're jumping from the car because you decided to get in. Anyway, she gets in the car with them. She feels she has no choice. She's under duress, and they told her that they have a gun. So they start driving, and they uh, are really not talking nice now, and they tell her that they're going to take her to a park, and they're going to rape her, and that there's nothing that she can do about it. She's in a panic. She has no cell phone. She can't figure out what to do. She starts clawing at the door to try to get the door open to try to jump from the moving vehicle. Uh, The driver reaches around, is punching her and holding her in the vehicle. The guy that's paraplegic that has no strength at all, guess what? He's pushing his wheelchair all the time with his arms. They have incredible strength in their hands and in their arms. So suddenly this guy that's handicapped now is able to physically, with two arms while she's behind him, hold her in the vehicle by her hair and by her clothing. They both pull her up towards the front and pull over because she's making such a commotion that they can't get to a park to complete the the deed that they're going to do. After that, they assault her um, uh, for quite a while. Uh, she took a pummeling, I'll tell you that. Busted her face up really bad. She got the snot beat out of her really bad. Um, do you fight or do you not fight? There's a lot of uh, debate back and forth on what you should do or what you shouldn't do. As a police department, we're not going to advise you on whether you should fight or not fight because every person is different, every situation is different, Okay. Every, everything is different, and we hope that you survive and you make it through it. She decides to fight. Um, there is a thought process that if you just lay there and let them do what they want to do, then they will stop. I'll tell you, these guys uh, were not that way. They were assaulting her no matter what, whether she fought, whether she didn't fight. So why not fight? See what you can do. She fought, and I'm very proud of her for fighting. I don't know that I, as a trained police officer, would be able to survive the assault that she was taking with how tiny she was, and continue to fight like that and keep, keep your, your wits about you. I don't know if anybody's ever been punched in the head, but you literally see stars, and it takes you a minute to get your, your bearings. And she was able to hold on and continue to fight. Well, she got wailed on in the face repeatedly by both these guys, full fist punch in the face. She fights, and she screams as loud as she can. She also crosses her legs as tight as she can, which makes it incredibly difficult. So that's a very good trick. So I learned a little, a little bit from her. Anyways, makes such a commotion 
that other people start to come out. And one gal runs up to the car, and she's not able to fight these guys or do anything. And by the way, they continue assaulting this girl, even though this gal's there fighting and arguing with them. And uh, at least kind of distract them a little bit. Uh, somebody else calls 911. I happen to be a block from that car when that call came out. So I drove right over to the vehicle, and I've never seen somebody run into a police car as fast as she did. She was able to slip out from their grasp, and she was in the car instantly. I went over to the vehicle and was assisted by other officers, and I had to fight both of these guys. They were still intoxicated and agitated and, and still wanted to fight, so I fought both of them. Got them cuffed, put in the car. Uh, the other unit took both of those guys off to jail. We have crime lab that comes out to process the uh, crime scene now, which is the vehicle, and we'll tow the vehicle. And then I took the girl uh, home and uh, had to wake mom up and let mom know what had happened to her daughter. Mom immediately was angry that I don't teach her to do things like that. I don't tell her that it's okay to run outside and... and uh, lie to me and go to parties and drink, and she was very angry with her. And I was able to talk to mom and say, hey, that's not appropriate in this situation. She fought like a champ. She did great. She's doing well. She's alive. You need to come over here and, and, and coddle her and take care of her. So mom realized that her response was not appropriate. She calmed down, came over, was talking to her. I took her to the hospital. She was able to get treated at the hospital. And uh, we went through and, and prosecuted these guys. And uh, part of my testimony helped get these guys on $1 million bond. So they weren't able to bond out of jail, and they're still in jail. So they'll be in jail for quite a while, and we racked up the charges on them. So they're off the street for a while. Her fear now is that uh, she knows they're gangbangers now. Now she's sure that they are, and that there will be retaliation from the gang for her prosecuting them. So she survived her incident. Uh, these guys are in jail right now. Do you continue through with the process? Do you testify in court? Do you prosecute these guys? Or you just let it go so that they can continue to victimize other people, but then maybe, maybe, they, maybe they'll leave you alone. Prosecute, yeah. It's easy to say when you're not involved and you don't have to go up on the stand and you don't have to deal with everything that she's dealing with. It's easy to say that. But... Uh, yeah, you prosecute, you follow through. There's members of the YWCA that'll be there with you. We're there with you. So we'll help you through the whole process. But don't, don't be a victim. Don't let people victimize you. Everybody sees TV where the mafia is there and they come after. I don't know if you saw me recently on TV that we had two guys that uh, were part of a gang that uh, went after and were tampering with witnesses to a homicide, and we got both of those guys pulled off the street right away before they were able to follow through with their threats. So it's, it's not tolerated. We will be there. We will help out. The more you tell us, the more we know, and the more we'll help out. So, anyways, um, what you do or would, what you wouldn't do is going to be different in every single situation. I hope that you remember her story and think about things a little bit. What would I do? Uh, hopefully, you'll stop before your second beer, uh, before you sneak out, before you decide to get in the car with a guy, uh, before you think about who you should call to help you out. Kind of have those things in, in mind and, and kind of have a plan of action on what you're going to do. Um, with my experiences, most of you will probably be faced with a situation that is very similar to this. Very, very similar. So think about how you're going to handle it and what you would do. Okay? Um, I know they already passed out pink cards. I was told maybe they would pass out other cards also that uh, I'm an open book. 
you know I'm Christian, I'm a father, I'm a husband, I'm a, a cop. People love to ask cops questions. Uh, sometimes you don't want to say exactly what you want to say to me, but you can uh, write it down, and I will make sure that I answer all those questions. Even if it's not tonight, I'll make sure that I get those, back, those answers back to you. Um, we will definitely pass out paper or just maybe give it to your small group leaders, um, and you guys can write questions. We just have just a few short minutes. Um, but, yeah, that's about it. So, thanks. Uh, like I said, we only have like three minutes and then we have to be out so that junior high can get in. Um, but I was reading this, uh, that book, uh, The Problem with Lust today, just this chapter about um, guys and girls and just wanted to kind of let you guys know um, there was one question that was asked, just what we can do as girls to help guys. And it, I mean, girls struggle with lust in different ways and maybe you guys can get into that into your groups or maybe you have gotten into that. But um, I think one of the things that we really need to work on as women is just how we are portraying ourselves in front of guys. And I know it's hard in high school and college and just even now for myself, I want to wear what what's popular or what's cute or what, you know, what everybody else is wearing. But at the same time, you have to think, like, there's men that are looking at me and there's older men that are looking at me and then there's younger men. So you have to think about your brothers or your dads or your family members. And I just, to brag on Brad a little bit, um, have always been very, like, I just admire him so much because he treats me with such respect by not looking at other women. Or at least if he does, quickly glances away. Or in a movie, if there's nudity or if a girl has, you know, barely any clothes on, he honors me with not looking. And that's the kind of guy that you want. Like, that's the kind of guy that you need. Somebody who knows that you are worth more than looking at somebody else. And so, to go off on that bunny trail, but um, just to remember that you can still be fashionable and still look cute and trendy without wearing skin-tight clothes or without wearing low-cut shirts or shorts that are up to here. Personally, I don't know how they're comfortable, but... Some people like them, and that's okay. Um, and they don't have to be shorts that are down to your knees. But, I mean, always thumb of rule. If they touch your hands, you know, the bottom of your fingers, that's probably good. You know, like, you don't have to worry about when you bend over or anything. I think it's just so important to know that you're causing someone else to stumble. Like, you want to help your brothers in Christ, and you want to help just other men who are trying to avoid that for their wife because they value her and they respect her, and so they're trying hard not to look at you. But if you're wearing that stuff to get attention, then you're going to draw attention. And a lot of times you're going to draw the wrong attention. And you're going to get guys who just want you because you look good, but they don't want you because you're worth it, because you're a girl and you have so much more to your personality than just what you look like on the outside. Um, I would encourage you guys to read that book, The Problem with Lust. It is a really, really good book and super easy read. I'm not a big reader, and I finished it, you know, just the chapter within like five or ten minutes. Um, it's just encouraging to know, you know, how to help each other and the ways that girls lust after guys and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, uh, we're going to head off to our small groups, and um, we'll try and get some of those questions maybe printed off and answered for you guys. So have a great group. Yeah.